Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Made a dream list of podcasting equipment. And um, when this started to pick up, I thought I will just buy it all, which was probably not the best move because now I have no money. But I have really nice mics good idea that's why i wanted a smoke machine yeah <laughs> i've got a bubble machine but as you see up there actually oh, i like bubble machines yeah but smoke machines still need to get yeah yeah you have a dry ice machine no no not yet not, not yet. yet it's on the list it's on the list if i can yeah that's something really necessary for life yeah <laughs> hello and welcome to the ask the industry podcast episode 38 my name's Simon Kane, and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, cult sketch groups. Adam Larter is founder of the Weirdos Comedy Club, which is not, strictly speaking, a comedy club. It's more of a comedy troupe of, I think he said about 20 to 30 people, and they all kind of come and go as they please, and they all work on completely different projects individually, but as a unit, they often get together and act out plays or shows or sketches that he's written. It's a very interesting dynamic, and as he points out in the podcast, it's very reminiscent of a lot of 1980s sketch groups. He even goes as far as to say that they're basically ripping off the format, but doing it their own way. It's a really interesting interview about building your own cult following around just doing something for the love of doing it. He's very open about the fact that he has a job, which means that he doesn't really worry as much or worry in the same ways that a lot of comedians do about making money. And he's very also open about the fact that weirdos don't make money, but they do the thing because they love it. So it's very much a different perspective on what career gigging can be and what writing can be if you're just doing it for fun rather than a career path, which was just really refreshing to talk about. We also get into a lot of stuff about alternative comedy and what that means now and what that means versus the mainstream and why he thinks it's a lazy shorthand label, but he doesn't mind using it. We'll get to his podcast in a little bit. Um, I just want to very quickly say thank you very much to everyone who shared or recommended the podcast in 2016, in particular in December. We had a massive spike in downloads in that month. I don't know who shared it and I don't know where it's been shared because I can't find it. But if you are the person who's been sharing it or helping reach a new audience for it, please email me, simon.m for mother, 
at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at This Made Me Cool. Just let me know what you've done. I'd love to thank you. Please, genuinely, I can't even express how amazing it was. It was just the best Christmas present for me. So thank you very much. The entire community and project really, really thanks you. And if you were just someone that shared an episode and for some reason I've missed it, thank you. Honestly, you made my Christmas and my New Year. Now we're in 2016, let's talk about stuff that's happening this year. I've got a gig that's happening on the 26th of January 2016. It's at the Comedy Cafe Theatre in Shoreditch, and it is basically my Edinburgh Fringe show from 2015, which is called Buddhism and Cats. It is free, and the doors are at 7 o'clock. If you've seen the show, and you don't want to come again, that's perfectly fine. Please just tell a friend, that'd be really useful. But if you'd like to come and see it again, that's perfectly cool as well. I don't really mind. I've got to fill out 100 seats because if it goes well, I might be able to do some other stuff with them, or with other similar venues that have kind of been in contact since I've set this one up. Like I said, it's free, so if you want to get a ticket, the link is in the show notes for this podcast, as well as in the podcast notes itself, and on my website. You can't really miss it, it's absolutely everywhere. So if you can come, please reserve a ticket. If you can't come, please don't reserve a ticket. The venue is kindly letting me do the show and not charging up front for tickets. So they need to know how many people are coming in order to make sure they have the right number of staff to deal with the number of people that are coming. If you can come, please reserve a ticket. If you can't come, please tell a friend to come and check me out. It would really help me out, honestly. Other ways you can help me out. I got to, I got asked this question twice over Christmas, so I thought I would sort of clarify it. In terms of a PayPal donation, I get about one donation every six weeks, and the average amount for that is £10. Outside of that, I have about 12 patrons, and they collectively give me about £30 per podcast. So if you would like to support the podcast and you would like to keep this content coming and you're enjoying the project and you're enjoying what I'm doing and you would like to help me in some ways so that I can take days off work to go and do podcasts or I can take time and effort and more production value into them, it would really help out if you could donate from $1 per episode. That's 80p. If you could give that, that'd be great. If you can't give that, don't worry about it. Honestly, I'm not mad or upset or whatever if you can't do it. It was just a conversation that happened with two separate comedians who were asking how much I was getting donated for the podcast. And I thought I'd just clarify it because the way the conversation came about made me think that some people think just loads of other people are donating so they don't need to donate. Not loads of people are donating, unfortunately, but that's just a fact of life, isn't it? I'm still building this. It's only a year and two months old. So, yeah. Without any more delays, this is Adam Larter. Uh, Do I think it's fair that I'm often listed as an alternative comedian? Yes, I'm one of those people that use alternative comedian as a label. It's probably lazy and a lot of people I know will argue that it's an outdated term that refers to stuff in the 80s, which actually is more stand-up and not really what I do. But it's a shortcut for a lot of people. The, the the reason why it's a lazy shortcut is it's just saying you're not going to be watching stand-up tonight. That's the, e- that's the easiest thing. You just want to, as quickly and in as few words as possible, say you are not watching stand-up. And not because I want to be some kind of pretentious art school kid about it, but actually just because I don't want to, the audience to come and think this isn't what I paid to see, this isn't what I wanted to see. So if you say something like alternative comedy or weird comedy... I'm aware, you know, Weirdos was never the best name for the group, but it's it's a really quick shortcut to saying, all right, you're going to see something that's going to be a bit different in some way tonight. Yeah, and within that, there are a million different types of different 
It's like just saying you're going to a rock concert versus classical. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So you look at the label as alternative, as in you don't look at yourself as a stand-up? Yeah, I'm not a stand-up. I've, I very, very rarely do what you would call stand-up comedy. Um, it's very rarely me holding a microphone, talking about my life or telling jokes. Very rarely. Very, very rarely. So... I mean, even though, you know, say maybe my mum would describe me as a stand-up to other people and people at work say, I, I'm a, oh, Adam does stand-up. But, you know, to other comedy people, I wouldn't say what I do is stand-up. It's a, yeah. short, it's a shorthand for your mum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just prefer to say I do comedy. That's the, easy, that's the least pretentious way of saying <laughs> I do comedy. I perform comedy. Yeah. I, I try and make people laugh. That's I'm, I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I because uh, alternative comedy that phrase has been around for since you said like the 1980s 70s or whatever yeah. do you think that term has changed with the times yeah but I think probably the intent of the people doing doing it and still calling themselves alternative hasn't it's just uh, you know the same as alternative music it's just something which isn't in the charts something which isn't on it's, it's slightly different to the mainstream so if the mainstream has changed and now the mainstream now, what is on the TV, what what sells out the big tours is what was alternative in the 80s, then it's just a, a different alternative. Mm. I mean, that's fair fair to say. Someone who yep. was once alternative, Billy Connolly, is, is now just a giant name who's in boring Hollywood films mm. and does adverts. So, But would you say that... He, but his act has barely changed. So, he, <laughs> so isn't he still alternative, by definition? Yeah, he might say he is, but... You know, the reality is he's the mainstream. It's just that's interesting. Yeah, well, the audience has changed. The audience has grown up. You know, the audience have families now. Yeah. yeah. So, so if if someone who was alternative, so for example, John Kearns, who you do stuff with, for, you yeah. know, weirdos. Yeah. He's won an award now and is doing very well for himself, and he's he's starting to build sort of a bigger base of people that like what he does. Relatively. He'll admit relatively. Relatively. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very aware it's relative, but I'm yeah. saying that he's he's elevated himself slightly. Yeah. Would you say there's going to be a stage then where he will no longer be alternative because he might be somewhere? Where, uh, what's his name? Um, I've forgotten his name. The the guy who's now like appearing on panel shows, who's got the weird I'm gonna to have to edit this down now but the guy's got weird hair and he, he Milton he, Jones not Milton Jones well no let's go with Milton Jones actually because okay. that'd be easier because I can't remember the other well I think that a really good example from comedy that I've seen since I started watching comedy is Andrew Lawrence and I'm not okay. going to talk about yeah. any of his controversial stuff or whatever but the, the fact <laughs> is that when he first started he was very much and was positioning himself as an alternative act he did a lot of quite dark material in a kind of comic character with kind of crazy hair and he's wearing these dungarees and the voice is exaggerated there's a lot of elements to the character and it's a, it's a lot more difficult to get straight away and you're not entirely sure how much of it is a character where he's coming from and it's a really interesting act and I used to love what he did and then you know he starts appearing on tv stuff and i don't know which comes first but he you know starts wearing a jacket and he cuts his hair down and it's just very straight to the point stand up and you know he is the comedy equivalent of kings of leon in that respect you know yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah this is what someone told me to do and i don't yeah, yeah. i don't know you know to, to what extent it was his decision or someone else's decision i think he's someone who very clearly has made up his own mind about mm. everything that he wants to do yeah. Uh, no one tells him what to do it would seem but um, yeah so I can't remember what the original question was but yeah the, the, 
alternative can change. Was that what you're saying? Well, no, I was only trying to ask because um, you. Oh, you were asking about John. Would will John well, no, sell out? Probably not, but some people do. Uh, well, I I, w- I wasn't going to phrase it as selling out at all because here's the thing. I yeah. think I think you can. You can. You can. <laughs> but I think you can still be an alternative, quote unquote, mainstream person. I think I think it's possible to have mainstream. Bill Bailey. Bill Bailey's probably an example of it. I think someone can be not as traditional as standing there telling jokes about their life and still have a level of success that you would only attribute to someone not McIntyre yeah. level like you'd never get to McIntyre level if you were you Bailey. could but, you could well, I mean, you, you, he, uh, he does uh, Monty Python uh, sold out the O2 many yeah. many nights in the you know or Mighty Boosh play giant arena tours you know Harry Hill yeah so do you so do you use alternative as a label for someone who just hasn't made it as a mainstream act yet then no, no. I think it's 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 if if the status quo is stand up comedy and is someone talking about their life, and and that is the status quo in the comedy world. That's that's where you go to. That's part one. That's like you know, if rock music is the Beatles, that comedy has that. You know, mm. then the alternative is something that takes influence from other places. That's the easiest way to describe it. Okay. So in in in. The 80s, the alternative was trying to do something that was different, so that varied from kind of the musical traditions mm. and took influences from different places. Mm. So some started bringing in musical comedy, some started getting a bit more political, you know, and, and whereas now, you know, the alternative might be Dr. Brown, who takes influence from kind of clown or something like that, or uh, it might be someone who, you know, our gang are more theatrical and that's what kind of makes us a bit different or you know someone might be a bit more arty in what they do or sam simmons you know is someone who brings his own very personal idiosyncratic kind of style to it you know and what he enjoys his own quirks whereas yeah stand up is is more clearly that's not to say that there isn't a huge variety within stand up you know you can't just say two stand-ups are the same but you can put it in the same camp you know yeah i can see what you're saying stories about my life or jokes or puns or but you know within that there are a million different ways you know it's not to say that you know tim vine is the same as milton jones is the same as beck hill you know Mm. they're not they're clearly not but yeah but you but you could bracket them in in a venn diagram somewhere in the middle where what they're doing is yeah, I hope that, no one ever does, but yeah. No, but that's, what, that's what I'm saying for that specific label is what that's Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm only trying to define that for people who maybe don't know who you are and what you do. Okay, yes. Because it's probably worth... I, I presume, like I said, I presume no one listens to this, but I also presume that no one knows who I'm bringing on. Okay. Because generally speaking, it's a lot easier for me to go from n- no knowledge for someone than for me to patronise people that might not... Do you know what I mean? Yes. Especially if I'm interviewing, say, for example, like a PR person or an agent or something like that, yeah. and people know the agency, but they don't know the agent, if that makes sense. It's a lot easier for me to go from, you're an alternative comedian, let's talk about what that means to you, than let's just go straight into how you're doing as a career. Okay. <laughs> you seem to find that amusing. No, that's fine. I, I, I'm just... Happy to answer anything. Yeah. Happy to answer anything. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's going to work out well. How do you find getting spots at clubs then, if you're doing something that isn't traditionally stand-up? I don't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't ask for spots at clubs. I don't. The only spots I do are ones that are offered to me, and they're normally friends or a few random clubs that I tend to come back to because they're nice people and I enjoy playing there. But I'm not after spots in clubs because it kind of detracts from what I actually want to do. So I just do them when I get asked every now and again. So you're, 
so how so i remember in sarah's uh podcast that we're talking about yes. before we started you said you gig about once a week and or at the time this was 2013 yeah so less were, now less now yeah so you were saying you gig about once a week in 2013 and usually you do some new material because you prefer to do new material every time than five nights a week with the same stuff yeah that's correct yeah okay so w- would you put yourself down more as a writer then than a performer yes okay so is it just a case of you haven't found someone that will perform it? Would you stop performing completely if you could just write for someone that would do it? Oh, no, I enjoy performing. Oh, okay. I enjoy performing. But if if I've got limited amount of time and I've got a day job and I want to have fun occasionally, so I've got to pick what gigs I want to do, I would rather write a new hour every couple of months and perform that to a decent-sized crowd rather than, you know, constantly gigging and it not be satisfying and actually... At the end of it, I've not allowed time to write anything or make props or develop stuff or test stuff or try stuff. And actually, yeah, it get, there's, a, an, there's an interesting documentary about the Flaming Lips, the band, and uh, Wayne Cohn says that uh, he thinks that the only time you should tour is when you've got something new to say. There's like mm. no point in going out on the road if you're still going to be doing the last lot of songs, which I think is fair. Yeah. So that's kind of what I try to do, but on like um, obviously a less interesting and less successful scale than the Flaming <laughs> Lips. Yeah, yeah, one ten thousandth of their success. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So let's let's just sort of break that down a little bit because you said you'd like to you'd like to write an hour every couple of months. Yeah. Uh, and then perform it to a decent sized crowd. What's a decent sized crowd to you? Um, we often do stuff with like the Laugh Out London team and their. For our tryout nights, we'll do the Camden Head, and we often sell out the Camden Head in uh, Camden. And that's that's a, a great size crowd to try stuff mm. out. Um, but you know, I, I'm I could happily perform to that crowd all the time. But as the weirdo stuff grows, our audience is growing too. So mm. you know, it looks like in the coming year we'll probably have to have to we'll, we'll we will have the opportunity to play in larger venues <laughs> which yeah. is nice yeah yeah that's cool okay so when you do the hour you like you said you're quite theatrical and quite sort of i, I don't say drama focused but a little bit more that way than maybe most groups is that fair to say yeah well we we do stuff with a script so as opposed yeah. to you know in london there are a million improv troops some amazing improv stuff there are also actual theatre shows people who are come from the theatre world the drama world um whereas we are comics trying to do theatre so we don't necessarily have the skills the know-how the budget the access to the performance rehearsal spaces etc that maybe drama and people from a theatre background do but you know we find that interesting yeah it's so often what we're doing are plays but they might have different to theatre a larger element of improv might even have some stand-up-y parts to it you know we might uh have a bit of musical comedy in there a bit of everything again it's not groundbreakingly you know there are people like news review who've been doing this for is it 30 years or something they've been doing it but you know we just borrow a little bit from kind of that tradition but also bringing a little bit of kind of clowny kind of stuff as well as prop based comedy and mixing it all together okay yeah well, I was, gonna, I was only going to ask, because when I do my hours, I tend to do previews in the run-up to like a festival. Yeah. And it sounds like you book out the Camden Head, and then you will have rehearsed it as a group, maybe, or individually. Yeah. But you don't do previews, or you don't do warm-up stuff to that? 
it's i think it's it's if we know that what we're going to do is going to be of a sufficient quality i think it's okay to not do a preview um if we've rehearsed it a few times and we know know within the group that we've got on that they're going to be good enough then i feel comfortable charging for that you know we still do a few a few free shows but um to cover our costs we'll, we'll charge um and yeah i feel 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 happy with that and not doing a preview because it's actually all about what comes out and what happens on the night that being the show rather than I think some some audiences who don't know that they're going to a work in progress show maybe stumble upon a show in a comedy venue like Camden Comedy Club or Camden Headed Angel, um, maybe less so there because I know that they're doing uh, less previews or any, anywhere else that's doing, say, a season of previews. They don't know they're going to work in progress. And when the comic comes on stage and says, I'm just trying stuff out, I'm sorry if none of this is no, not any good. I don't know, I as an audience member feel a bit cheated and I feel like if you have the confidence to sell it, like this is the show, maybe it's not the bits that you keep going forward, but it can still be a great show. There's no reason it can't be fantastic. And I've walked out of work in progress shows that have been presented like they're the final thing and thought, wow, that's fantastic. Like my favourite show I saw this year, uh, Let Loose's show, I saw that at the Museum of Comedy and I paid a fiver to see that. And that's one of the best hours I saw. And that was a work in progress show. That was about five months before Edinburgh, but mm. no one there knew that otherwise. Actually, the second time I saw them do a work in progress, they got a standing ovation. But no one knew it was a work in progress. They just thought mm. they were coming to see an evening of comedy. Yeah. No, I, they were in the same... So, I can't remember. They were like two doors down from my venue at Just the Tonic. Uh, yes, yes. And they did amazingly well this year. Yeah. yeah. R- rightly so. They're great. No, I, I never got to see it because they were literally within about 20 minutes of my show. Oh. And so I couldn't... It was a bit annoying. I might have to go and see that now. No, very, sort good. Of very good. Me again. Very good. But, uh, no, I was only going to say, um, a lot of performers put sort of a lot of... I wouldn't say a lot of stock, but a lot of... A lot of Start that again. A lot of performers put a lot of stock in like doing previews because obviously it gives them an opportunity to try different things out. Now I agree with you if you go up and say this is new stuff, it might be shit. I hate that personally. Mm. I immediately I want to leave when a comedian says that, even if I know they're good and I've seen them a load of times before. Yeah. I'm like, you've already made me not want to like this because you sort of don't. If you can't sell it, how am I supposed to buy it? Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's true. I think that we've got a few practical problems in. The main one is getting a group of people together for a show. So if I'm doing a a show with just even eight people, um, trying to get them to do a few previews the night before means I need to make sure that eight people are available for three nights in a row and a venue is going to be available for three nights in a row. Whereas if I say we're just going to rehearse the day before or rehearse during the day of the show, you know, everyone's got the script so they've had an opportunity to learn it. Mm. Everyone knows what their costumes are and what they've got to bring we just try and find the funny and try and find what's good in rehearsal and that comes down to us bouncing off each other and trusting our kind of comic instincts and as well as you know making sure that we have a director that's why we're often bringing Matt Hyten to direct a lot of stuff and he's good to be that eye that says you know so instead of doing a preview to a full audience he's his job is to say that works that doesn't try that don't try that mm. yeah he's kind of the whole audience for you yeah 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 he's got the hair for it <laughs> okay and in terms of uh, well i presume seeing as you have a day job you're not making a full-time living as a performer or writer no 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 okay. no no okay i mean our biggest show of the year is a charity show so yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the christmas uh yeah. panto yeah which you've openly said is never really christmassy or a panto 
Uh, this year it was. This year okay. it, was, it was. It was kind of both. Um, it was very Christmassy this year. So it's about us trying to get to Christmas number one. So mm. yeah, uh, and it was close to a panto. As as close to as a panto as you could get. It had dames, villains, heroes, booing, cheering. He's behind you. All of that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, we will get to that in a sec. Then I was going to ask, uh, like, so it's your day job's marketing. I've been told. Yeah, I work in advertising. Yeah, right. What exactly in advertising? I am a senior account manager. Can I ask where? I'll edit this bit out, but can I ask where? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Keep it in. Uh, the company's called Evidently. We're based in Old Street. Lovely little... Uh, Pop down. <laughs> advertising agent. Yeah, sure, sure. If anyone wants a video or a logo, more than happy to knock one up for you. Yeah. Okay. No, I, At cost. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, no, because I, I, I work in social media marketing. I see, I see. So it's a slightly different area to what you do only it's just basically all online and i presume yours is all above the line marketing from what you've just said uh everything is integrated okay yeah okay yeah and uh, this will be of interest to no one but well, well i I, th- I think it'll probably the thing is I'll, I'll probably edit this bit out but the thing okay. is i tend to leave i tend to find out little bits of extra information about people like so for example copstick i spoke to her and she does a lot of sex writing and directed porn for a while yes and i personally think stuff like that is really interesting to know about a person especially yeah. if you want to talk to them or contact them you can say oh hey i really like porn maybe not that one but <laughs> but, but also she runs a charity that's you yeah, know no, to do she it. Does. um but yeah but i think i think it's worth knowing a little extra bits about people and okay. also it's relevant to my next question okay so, <laughs> because uh, i remember you saying before in another interview where you were talking about i literally saw you thinking like what interview what is he going to say um i remember you talking it was in the same uh comedy bloggerty podcast yes where you were talking about uh marketing at the fringe and okay. how you try and uh, get people's attention through flyering and different methods of that. Yes, I love uh, flyering. You love flyering? I genuinely love flyering. If anyone wants any help flyering at the Edinburgh Fringe, I would more than happily do more every year. I love it. You might want to see the show first before you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, but why do you love it? It's just it's just fun, isn't it? It's just running around talking to people. It's like the, the closest that you get, like, legitimate... It's like the fun of kind of... I don't know, meeting new friends or flirting with someone, but all of that condensed down into a short space of time and trying to sell a show. And actually at the end of it, you try and fill a room of people to see a show that you're really proud of. It's great. What What isn't fun about it? And I like walking. Yeah. <laughs> and I like Edinburgh. Yeah. All of my favourite things combined into one little game. Yeah. Okay. I love flyering. And also I love how easy it is if you give it a bit of effort. And it's quite... F- fun seeing yeah i i I love edinburgh and i love the edinburgh experience and flyering is is up there also um i don't drink as well so being one of the few people in the royal mile without a hangover is always great fun just running around handing out flyers you really piss a lot of people off doing that yeah yeah i I only went drinking once this edinburgh and i found i found my groove for flyering i think about three days in okay And, and after that i i loved doing it but up up until then, like last year and the year before, I just thought this is a pain in the ass, and I just wish people would just look at it in the brochure and come. But I think I think that's just a lazy option for me. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, 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 I've seen so many shows that I've just been flied for and just taken a punt, and I, I love doing that. And I like trying to think that you can give someone that same Edinburgh experience that they wake up and they don't know what they're going to go and see. And those people and some of the people that I've become friends with because off the back of just flyering and talking to them and coming to see their shows it's just great people and great friends and yeah fun times wish i was there now 
I think I think we all kind of wish. I, you know that whole I wish it could be Christmas every day. Yeah. I think most comedians, if they could make it commercially viable, would like it to be Edinburgh every day. Yes, yeah, the only time I make money. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's. Well, I had another question, but let's. We'll come back to that then. Okay. Um, because do you find like marketing yourself in Edinburgh? I mm. imagine because you're an alternative comedian and because you've sort of carved out a bit of a niche for yourself into not as in niche doesn't always mean small. I don't mean like that, but you've carved out a bit of a niche for yourself in terms of what you do that it's easier for you to sell yourself in a way because you you kind of know probably when you're flying someone you don't know you know you can't judge them on what they're wearing or anything but like you start flying someone you can tell very soon if they're going to be interested in what you're doing and what you're about whereas a straight stand-up might be like oh maybe i can convince them because maybe they've got an hour free yeah that's what i thought in like the first year and okay. I was like, okay, I'm doing a wacky show. I'm a wacky guy. <laughs> I'm going to go for people who've got like colored hair and kind of like students wearing crazy punk t-shirts. And then I realized that actually there's no point and you can't predict who's going to be a good audience and who's not. And actually you definitely should not judge a book by its cover. And actually, if you're going to flyer anyone, flyer at old people because they've got um, more money to put in the bucket. <laughs> and a lot That's more it. free time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and actually, if you want a smarter, better educated audience, go older, older people. They're mm. great. They're the best audiences. I always, I always tell, so like newer acts, I always sort of do the adage of um, Pretty Woman, you know, where, where she went into the shop oh, and, yes. they, and they sort of said, go away. And, you know, she was like, oh, I'll go away then. And then came back a day later and was like, I've spent loads of money. Look, look, fuck all of you kind of thing. And you're like, yeah. you don't know who your best audience member is because she could have bought loads from them. Yeah, I fly everyone equally. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you don't you don't know who's in your audience, and, and it's kind of arrogant for you to presume that you know who will like it. Yeah, I've got the added bonus that a lot of my stuff is kind of physical, and in Edinburgh, uh, I'm okay with audiences that don't necessarily have English as their first language or know very little right. at all. Because yeah. actually, if it's kind of physical comedy, it doesn't matter how good your language skills are; you can yeah. kind of pick up on it. Whereas I know there are a lot of stand-ups who flyer a lot of people who barely speak english and they're sat there taking up all of the rows and they don't get any of their references to british politics or what's going on and etc yeah yeah they can come see my show more than happy for them to well if there's anyone listening to this well i don't know why you'd be listening to this far in if you don't speak english but if you (laughs) do look up adam Lars show that's yeah come along yeah crazy but you so you said you make a profit every year in edinburgh or you yeah yeah i mean i i've always uh, for the last few years, I've gone with Heroes, Bob mm-hmm. Slay's lot, um, and before that, Laughing Horse. And I suppose maybe maybe half the reason is I don't drink. But um, yeah, you go up, you spend accommodation, flyers, and then you take it back in the bucket. Yeah. But I think that comes down to, you know, making sure you do get up early to flyer and get a full room mm-hmm. every day. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's quite straightforward. Fill in your audiences, put in the hard work with a show, you get the money back on the bucket. So do you know how much, for example, Edinburgh cost you this year? I didn't go up this year. Okay. I didn't go up this year. Sorry, uh, last year though. Uh, okay, so what is it like? 600, 700 on accommodation and then 300 quid for the brochure. You're seeing a grand and then minimum amount on transport, hitching a ride, mega bus. You look, you're looking around a grand, and I don't spend much on flyers. So, over over about one thousand one hundred. Never spent a penny on PR. Never spent money on any of that. Don't buy um, posters, any of that muck. Uh, stuff I spend on the show, I've made myself. Uh, all the props are homemade. So, just just over a grand, really. And um, yeah, probably if you've thirty days, yeah, yeah, making that back in the bucket. Yeah, 
Oh, okay. That's so because I spend fit twenty one days a year. Yeah, you you got to hit what fifty sixty quid a day. Yeah, that's probably doable yeah. if you have yeah. a fifty sixty seat a room. Yeah, if you play main room at Hive, then you f- you pack in a hundred people, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. No, that's well. Like this this year, the whole show cost me twenty three hundred pound. So for you to say that you did yours for a grand is really impressive. <laughs> well, you can, yeah. If you so, we always go for the student accommodation, which is about seven hundred quid. Um, then you got the the, uh, the biggest expenses is the uh, um, the the program. Bob doesn't charge you much much extra for going with heroes, and I know that Laughing Horse PBH don't really either. Yeah. yeah. Did you have you got any tips for cutting costs for the fringe other than? Um, I'll make props for you if you want. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think that people's expectations of production values or people's expectations of flyers aren't that high. They come to the fringe. It's a fringe. You know, if you want to see professional stuff, that's fine. But if you're not making a living from it, maybe you shouldn't be spending like your, you know, that, 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 um, old saying of you should dress like the job you want. Yeah. I don't know if that's true in comedy. I think that actually people kind of sit out and say, we're going to see these three people at the Pleasance. I know them off the telly. I know them off the telly. Then in the afternoon, we're going to go watch some free stuff and we don't know what they are. You know, they're expecting you to come out dressing like your free comedy. You don't need to come mm. out in a bull gown with dry ice and you don't need to be kind of having a poster that looks like it's those those things that some people who get these beautifully designed posters that look incredible and so professional. And then you come see the show and it's a shambles and it's your first ever show. You know, what's the point in having this amazingly designed mm. flyer when actually you're doing some naff old gags, you know, and mm. there's there's no problem admitting it's your first fringe and dressing it like that you know having some kind of flyers that are pulled together in microsoft paint you know what what's the problem in that yeah there's a lot of people that try hard to market their show as something they think people want to see rather than the thing that it is so you know i'm trying to sell my show as something kind of wacky crazy it's going to be messy it's going to be silly it's going to be childish and then someone else who's doing straight stand-up will call their show the wacky adventures of brian or something like that and it's got like this multicolored leaflet with lots of stuff flying around and it's a very sensible show a multicolored kaleidoscope flyer and actually it's someone wearing a suit jacket on stage you know the two don't go together Mm. i think so there's no problem with calling it you know um i think it was uh was it lloyd griffith and Ramesh, who did a show called Blokes Telling Jokes, which is like I one of those something like that, yeah. one of those great fringe titles for for a show, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly what you're getting. Exactly, exactly. And um, the Darren Walsh and Leo Curse when they did their their pun mm. shows, you know, people know what they're getting, and they used to, you know, get loads of people coming in to see it and mm. Darren Walsh always you know was Punderbolt mm. this year yeah 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 you, you know the, Darren always has a great title <laughs> yeah but yeah. it's it's great not just because you know it's funny and it's him but it's really you know accu- accurately describing the yeah. show you know whereas if I called mine uh, a serious evening with Adam or something like that people go what the fuck is this shit you know yeah. To be fair, I'd, that expecting would, that would make Aziz Ansari. Yeah. Yeah, it would make me want to come because I'd be like, "What is he doing now? Like, why is he? Why is he deciding to try?" Yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> the reverse effect. No, I get what you're saying. It's um again, I don't want to quote her again, but Kopsik said one of her biggest pet peeves is when you get invited to a show. It's called 
the wonderful satirical brothers and you get there and they're not wonderful they're not satirical and they're not even related and she just goes i'm gonna review you shitly regardless <laughs> i'm just gonna get annoyed yeah so yeah i suppose i suppose i know what you mean so if it's so if you're doing a split show maybe just be honest about the fact it's your first time up here imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And yeah, I think that if I saw that in in the the fringe brochure and it's and it said in in the narrative, you know, this is our first show up here. Please come check us out. I'd actually find that endearing, mm. and I don't think that, that a lot of people would would go all right, you know, rather than being conned to say like pulling quotes from local newspapers or parents or whatever, and then you come in and you go, oh god, this is awkward. You know, if you come in and you kind of go in with that attitude of like, go on, mm. go on, go on, you can do it. Yeah. Sort of, you know, this, yeah. You know, the way that you, you go see a band and, the, you know, that you've yeah. not heard of them and you're like, today I'm just going to go check out some music. Could be good, could be shit. Mm. But at least they're not saying they're Pink Floyd. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think my favourite one of those that went, I think, a bit too far was, I can't remember who the comedian was, but they did a show called Needs an Agent. And oh, great. the the description was something like, "If you're an agent, like <laughs> come watch me or something ridiculous like that." And I was like, "Fair, fair enough. That's that's targeting your market, I suppose. That's exactly what you want and what you're doing. It's yeah, pretty spot on." I want to talk to you about the weirdos. Okay. Um, do you want to explain what the weirdos was when you started it and what it is now to okay. anyone who maybe doesn't know what that is? Okay. Yes, yeah, probably a lot of people. <laughs> uh, we are a collective of comics. There's somewhere between 20, 30, 40 of us. It's kind of an ever-changing lineup, but it's it's a night that I run. Um, and it started off as an open mic night, and then we grew to uh, performing shows, which I've written, um, sometimes small sketch stuff. And uh, once a year, we do a big pantomime for charity. Um, and that normally has around 20 people in it. Um, and yeah, it just started as an open mic night, but then the, the people involved in it have gone on, not me, but the other people have gone on to be quite successful. Um, so the sort of people who come and play our nights are, or in our group are um, uh, 
Ali Bryce, Beth Vice, Jos Norris, uh, Pat Cahill, uh, Holly Byrne used to do a lot of stuff with us, Tim Shishodia, uh, Mark Stevenson, Darren Maskell, um, Katia Kavinj, uh, Eleanor Morton, all of those, yeah. all of those people. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to fill this out in the show now. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Dean Quinn and, and, and any anyone who's doing something interesting or different, and you know we can't book them all, but there's there's a small gang of us anyway. Yeah, yeah. and. I think this would be fair to say you have a bit of a cult following. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Very moderate cult following. Okay. And I think cult following is just a, a, a really trendy way of saying, you know, we've got a small fan base. A small but really nice, amazingly loyal, lovely fan base. That's okay. what we have. Yeah. And uh, to be fair, even if you want to play that down, I think most of the comedians listening to this would love that. Do you know what I mean? Like we, oh yeah, yeah. Very, very, very happy. Very happy that what from what we do now, that it's not difficult to sell a, a show. You know, to do a work in progress show to get eighty people through the door, it isn't the challenge that it once was. Um, you know, it's been five years to get to that, and it's not anything that I could make a living off because you know we only do a show once every couple of months, mm. um, and that's only also because when we do a show we always do a different show mm. so if we wanted to do a huge run it's not like say tomorrow we're going to tour the country that wouldn't work it's only in london there isn't enough enough people who know what we do to come and see that mm. you know and some of them are other comics you know and some of them are mates you know it's not but yeah there's there's an audience which is nice fair, fair enough um you were saying cult following and i was going to talk to you about how you do because i think most comedians uh, sort of know how to like I think most comedians think they know how to make something funny or they know how okay. to put on a show okay I think most comedians then get to a stumbling block of how to market it when it comes to like doing a festival and having to fill out their own bios and their own descriptions and all that kind of stuff because it's it's not easy if you're not you know if you're not used to writing that kind of thing about a show you might know what it's about but to fit it into like sort of 200 words is a bit hard for some for I think some people yeah I it's as difficult because our stuff is normally a specific show that we're selling mm. so i don't need to go on with kind of describing how pretentiously art school and blah 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 alternative yada yada because yeah. actually it's normally saying we are doing this show it is about this mm. we are doing this show it's spoofing this mm. or we are doing this show it's a type of this mm. it's improvise this or you know performance art this or underwater this or mm. you know it's so i don't um i I think that's easy it's you know if you want if you have to start and think about what is this show about and what are the interesting stories in it you know that's probably the the better selling point than who are you as a person and what are you like Mm. you know in the same way that someone would sell a film this film is about uh i was going to use an example mad max it's just someone going down the road isn't it but um (laughs) This film is Juno and it's about a girl who gets pregnant at a young age and her trying to cope with it uh, with a very shy boyfriend and the family that she meets who want to adopt the baby. You know, mm. that that's how you sell it rather than saying it's twee, it's indie, it's kind mm. of this meets this, you know. Actually, some of that's quite, again, I find off-putting. You know, if you say this is, this is a really kind of indie or really quirky or, yeah, coming back to... Hopstick and I agreeing on something, uh, uh, saying it's it's satirical when it's not really mm. at all. Yeah, and then 
to get fans to keep coming back is the next stage of that. So sort of, so you've sort of put on a good show. You've sort of convinced them that you can do it, and, you, and they're your and you are their sense of humor, if you like. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of need to not keep that dialogue going, but you need to sort of, like you said, find something new to say, find something new to do, and get them to come back. Now, obviously, you do that every couple of months, which means that there's sort of a, a regular cycle of things that people, and because you only do one or two of them, you know, people have to see them there and then, or else they're gone, sort of thing, because yeah. you don't really release them or record them or anything yeah. like that. So I suppose there's a scarcity value of what you do that pushes people to buy a ticket quicker than maybe if someone's doing a tour for you know around the country or something yeah exactly i mean the 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 thing is that there's a lot of uh comedians who think okay you've seen me now follow me on twitter come see my next show come see me again next year and you have to think you know from the audience's point of view why you know are you amazing are you hilarious on twitter are you the next best thing on twitter or is your new show going to be great? Is your new show going to be better than the one I've just seen? You know, or if I see you in five months, are you going to be fantastic? Mm. You know, even Stuart Lee, you know, you could see him do the same set several times in one year. You know, there's kind of a young comic who thinks, come see me again. Actually, no, you're asking a lot. Even some of my like favorite bands or even favorite comics, I'm not going to go watch them a couple of years apart. You know, you think I've seen them for a bit. I want to see something new. And at the Fringe as well, you know, there's a long list of... There are there are some comics I see every year because I think they do something quite well, quite differently each year. You know, Paul Foote is someone who I could watch because I think his new show is always different. He's very aware that it has to be different from the last one. Whereas, you know, there are some comics who give it a different title, but it's, you know it's essentially the same show. There's nothing wrong with that, but... I think it's too much to expect someone to come and see it again when you haven't done anything different for them. So it is it is easier for us to sell more tickets if we, we're saying we're doing a different show. Um, and that's it. We're only ever marketing that one show at a time. Come see this one thing. Come see this new thing that we've written. Mm. Rather than expecting that you come see us all of the time, always, ever. <laughs> we have no advertising out there. You know, We don't spend money on advertising. So... Mm. It's just about selling the next show. Yeah, and as we both know, not spending money on advertising saves a lot of money on costs. It does. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but the thing, I remember you saying that you don't have, or you didn't have a mailing list. Do you have one now? You didn't no, have one for ages? No, 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 okay. no, no. Don't have a mailing list. Okay. Um, uh, we, I might message some people who I know interested in seeing the show and say, come see this. You saw this last one. You might like this. Um, but we've got our Facebook group and we've got our Twitter and that'll do and I, th- I think also it's about letting people come find you because you know I could uh, try and fly a load of stuff or you know put all this stuff out of there but the, the reality is that people who enjoy the show you don't need to say this is our Twitter come follow us here or I hope you've enjoyed our show come see our next one is in three months time if people have enjoyed it they come up to you and they say we really liked that who on earth are you? Because a lot of the time they just stumbled in. Uh, and where can we see you do some next stuff? Just say Google Weirdos Comedy. And they find their way. They find their way. Mm. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know that your pantos, for example, every year get quite a lot of, um, should we say, press support? Like, you know, like Londoners yes. this year gave them, gave it like their, their sort of critics' choice or something. Yes. And same with Time Out. Yes. And, uh, well, I wanted to ask you two points on this. One, because Time Out are stopping doing those listings. 
for yes, comedy. Unfortunately. Do yes. you think that's going to have an impact on you guys, or do you think you've got to a stage where you're established enough that other places will cushion that blow? Yeah, I, I mean, I someone will fill that vacuum because there's there's a million Londoners. What what has changed from when we started five years ago and from now is that um, people who are looking for stuff to do that night are less likely to use timeout and timeout listings and they're more likely to use Y plan or Groupon or something like that. And that's their what should we do tonight thing. Mm. It's the, the same amount of people living in London or more and still, you know, the same same types of hobbies. People still want to do comedy. They're just looking for it in a different way. Um, I preferred the timeout route because you know that it was going through um, a journalist who knew what they were talking about um, and Ben was always really nice to us because he was a fan. He had ca- come to see lots of our shows. He'd, you know, seen every one of the Pantos. Um, and, you know, it it felt it was really nice that him and the other journalists who did support it had seen the stuff. It's quite weird when something like Y Plan is recommending stuff and you're not entirely sure why because they haven't seen it. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm sure that model will change to find the way that works, but the timeout way worked better for me because I knew I read through those listings and I thought, well, you know, that's not going to please everyone. It's not got a, it's not going to have a, you know, there's only 10 shows you can recommend in one magazine. So it can't be as varied as you want the whole comedy industry to be varied. That You know, there's not, there's not every show listed there, but, um, I knew that at least it had gone through some filter. Someone had gone, I think these are funny. Unfortunately, that's, you know, one person's taste. But I thought mm. we were lucky that that one person's taste really liked like us. Do, yeah. yeah. And the the people who I think it's easy for journalists to recommend us because, you know, there aren't any other pantomimes with a <laughs> cast of 25 comics doing something for charity for four nights in a row. Mm. You know, quite frankly, it's yeah. see, it's it's an easy thing to recommend because you know there might be ten different mixed bill nights, and how do you say this one's better than that one? Objectively, you can, but this this one is clearly different, mm. so it's easy to recommend. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be easier to talk about, and you know, journalists want to you know write something and be a bit interesting, and they want some colourful pictures, and all of our stuff works well with that, and mm. you know, there'll be a bit of novelty to it. It's, it's easy for journalists and, you know, it makes their job a bit more exciting. Mm. And we're more than happy because it sells what we want to do and we don't have to compromise what we want to do. Mm. You're, a, you're a purple cow, as Seth Godin would put it, if you are aware of that marketing philosophy. No, what? Okay, <laughs> I was hoping you would know that. I know what the purple cow is, the yeah. underbelly. No, okay, the different purple cow. Sorry, okay. you listened to Bob Slayer's episode, so I thought you would have... Um... Oh, yeah, I can't listen to everything Bob says, yeah. That was what I said, but okay. Um, purple cow is... Uh, Seth Godin is a marketeer, and he says that if you if you see a cow for the first time, it's exciting. And then when you've seen 10 cows, you're sort of like, well, they're cows now. But then if now you see a purple cow in a field of cows, you're like, oh, that's an interesting one. It's easy for me to point that one out to people because that's purple, and it's different to all the other ones, even though they're in the same... Oh, I so, thought you were referring to the time I freaked out the uh, uh, Adabelli in in London by dressing as a purple cow. And did you? Yeah, I did the Time Out introducing show, and uh, I came out as as a uh, I made a purple cow costume, and um, I'll send you the picture. And um, came out on roller skates and sang Prince's Purple Rain, but changed the lyrics to be about purple cow. It's really beautiful. 
That is now. If you get given five minutes uh, in front of four hundred people and you're quite new to comedy, then yeah. you know all of the other comics on the bill went on to do well. But <laughs> I had a lot of fun, so that was what counts. I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna make that the image of this plo- bo- blo- Go ah, crazy. podcast it's, blog. It's beautiful. Yeah, I've got purple tights. Yeah, sounds like it's uh, sounds like it's worth seeing. I um, okay. So when you're booking acts for weirdos. I presume you've got enough... <laughs> go on, sorry. I don't. I don't really okay. book acts for weirdos. Yeah. I was going to say, you kind of have enough people to just go, hello, Gareth, what are you up to tonight? Yeah, I mean, I live with three of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really awkward if you only book two out of them. <laughs> the, the problem is, is that people... F- it's a very difficult thing to do because, you know, there's a long list of people who have been associated with us and want to continue to do stuff, but then also a lot of people who are very busy, but it... it quite frankly comes down to i write what i want the next script to be and then i cast it afterwards Mm. it's it can't be any more complicated that so you know like any night i get messages saying can i come perform at your night no you can't and it was (laughs) and it's not because you're you know great bad awful brilliant you know not not alternative enough or too alternative it's quite frankly because you know, we are the re- revolving group of the same acts and people will expect to see those acts or some people will expect to see those acts or they will expect to be involved. And I've got enough people in there, you know, who are good at voices, good at music, good at improv, good at, you know, that that give me the variety to cast a play, you know. Mm. I mean, yeah, most of us are English, but... <laughs> It, it works it's it's it's, it's 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 a good group to do what we want yeah and it's in the way that the comic strip used to do yeah. ripping off that formula or a monty python yeah yeah we've got the same sense of humor that counts yeah yeah generally yeah. yeah so first of all if anyone's listening don't email in it's probably the best thing. <laughs> um, oh they can there, there are people i mean i still watch everything that's sent through I mean, it might not be right for him, but in a year's time, I might go, oh, that person, I remember they did a really good accent or, you know, I remember they were really good at beatboxing or something like that. And now I need someone who can limbo or whatever it is for the next project. But um, yeah, generally, I can't, I don't offer any open spots and we don't, we only do a night once every couple of months anyway. Mm. And there are people who are, you know, I've wanted to get on for ages and still haven't got round to because I haven't find, found the right thing for them mm. you know it's kind of a nice level of integrity that though because you're sort of like we're not just going to book people because they email in and because they're alternative you're going to go with the person that will suit your project the best yeah i mean it's the only way of doing it that's yeah if you if you stop to try and please people you just wouldn't be able to do any of the shows mm. yeah cool um you your night i don't want to call it a niche because i feel like people when they hear the word niche they think small and it's not fair to label anything as that but (laughs) but you but you have a niche that you've carved out for yourself like you said that i can't think of other than you know the comic strip or or monty python anything like that but i can't think of any live stuff necessarily maybe the comedy store players maybe that's kind of a rotating door yeah but i can't think of many others that do that so i imagine that i mean do you think because obviously there's like this sort of i don't want to say thing that's happening in london but specifically in London, there's sort of, you know, the pun run or lolitics or they're like, they're like nights that have like a thing to them. Yeah. That make their hook easier to get in an audience. Yeah. But they've, there's always been that, though. Like, if you look, there's, what is it, like the, the Ealing scene from 
10 15 years ago whenever all of those kind of acts emerged and then they've always been people who've done that so you know vic reeves big night out started as doing kind of like this big sort of showcase thing in south london uh and you know mighty boost used to do their stuff with i think in hen and chickens as well you know so our format isn't insanely original it's just you know we happen to be the ones that are doing it now but then there are still within london even while we do our stuff a million different alternatives of alternative you can go see invisible dot and all of the stuff that they do you can go see AM- acms you can go see shambles you can go see the lost cabaret you can you know uh idiot factory any of these nights at any, any time uh there's loads of amazing alternative stuff in london mm. um whether they would all like to be called alternative i don't know but mm. that we're all doing something different mm. um and each each one of those nights I highly recommend in each of its different flavours. It's it's what I like about every time I've read an into your because I've done a lot of research on you and every time I've seen an interview by you or I mean you don't you don't do loads of them, don't like, yeah, yeah. But but every time you've done them, you seem to be fine recommending other nights. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like the alternative circuit of those nights you've kind of mentioned do the same thing. And it feels a bit like you're all just aware that they exist and are fine with it rather than what i imagine some other clubs are where they're like i run i run the funny apple and i don't want to recommend the funny pear because if i recommend the funny pear i might lose my audience and yeah well i think we all admit that we all haven't got massive audiences but we are all do we are all doing different things you know invisible dot uh run a kind of more established and theirs is more like a business you know they have like lots of nights on a week and they run like bigger nights like uh live at the union chapel you know that's something we couldn't and and don't do uh an acms theirs is kind of turning the traditional kind of mixed bill night on its head sort of thing uh and a lot of that is based around the the very specific people hosting so tom tark and john luke roberts that's not something we could do and theirs is theirs is a smarter version of weirdos um and you know yeah all the other places i mentioned you know shambles and lost cabaret that again they're doing a different thing it's all different or alternative or wacky or silly or whatever but in 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 different ways Mm. but you know we all play each other's nights anyway so (laughs) you know i I can't yeah we we all hang out with each other i mean not like i'm like not, not, not that I'm buddies with everyone. Not everyone likes me, unfortunately. But who hates you? No, you right. <laughs> oh, they, 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 they won't be listening. No, actually, no. <laughs> if you can guarantee anyone that will be listening, it's if the ones that hate me. Yeah. But you know, they're fu- that's fine. Yeah, that's why I'm I sure I deserve it for whatever I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, um... and heroes, heroes are the best. Hero, I do like Bob. He's he's flipping awesome, and, and we owe a lot to Bob. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Why, why unfortunately? Well, he's a nutter, isn't he? But he's a lovely <laughs> nutter. Yeah. He's. I don't. I mean, I've, I. I don't know. I. I think it's a, not an act, but it's. He's. He is. He is out there. But I don't think he's a nutter. I think he's got his head on straight. And I know. Yeah. He. He has. He has. Yeah. Sometimes. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> I really like him. I wouldn't. I can't say a bad word about Bob. I think he's very lovely. That's true. Um, but you probably know him better than I do. So. Yes. 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 Um, he hosts our pantomime, or has for the last two years hosted our pantomime and hosted the majority of our acts in Edinburgh under Hero's banner. Um, so we do actually owe a lot to him. And this year, while our show was uh, being performed in his pop-up venue, he was literally out there redirecting shit from overflowing pipes so that our venue wouldn't be flooded with stinky water. 
I can't think of many other promoters that would do that no. to, to, to make in, ensure that show continues. So yeah, Bob and Paul Davis, who's the man who co-ran the venue this year with Bob, are two fantastic people. Mm. Even though they say some ridiculous things sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, enough about them. Yeah, I okay. So when I if I put on a show, if I put on like a, a preview for an hour, for example, mm-hmm. and I get my parents, well, I never get my parents down, but if I get if I get down my friends, for example, and maybe some people have seen me before, or or friends of friends who've seen me before, whatever, and I have a I have a I have a stacked deck room essentially of mm-hmm. people who kind of have to like me because it's going to be awkward on Facebook later otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I sort of find that if you go... So if you keep going back to different festivals and people keep coming to see you, or if you, in your case, like in London, if you keep doing stuff and the same people keep coming back, they grow a fondness for you. And so as a result, getting constructive feedback gets slightly harder because you're sort of... You know, they, they almost don't want to say anything nasty to you or they don't want to compare it to like the last thing you did yeah. because that's not fair to you, but also it doesn't help. So do you find the longer you get into it is actually quite you're sort of eliminating the chance for them to give you feedback or for them or for for that sort of core group to grow because they're sort of just there and now new people aren't feeling like they're part no, of that no 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 I mean I know there there is a certain amount to the audiences are easy you know our first gigs we used to have huge amounts of walkouts and people confused they didn't know what they were coming to see and now we have people kind of laughing from the off but that doesn't mean that we can't still go and say, I wasn't happy with that show or wish that was better or that could have been funnier. Mm. I mean, it's just the rule is just try and make the next show funnier than the last one that you did. And, you know, that mm. that comes down to your own tastes. And, yeah, and that's going to stop you as well trying to kind of pander to an audience and make sure that you're just trying to please everyone and make sure that you're actually have some kind of idea or vision of what you're trying to do hmm. again that, that this isn't probably useful advice from someone who's trying to make a career out of comedy and they very much have to keep an audience happy every hmm. night or you, you would expect they do but you know for us who are just trying to put on new and interesting different shows we can just worry about was this different was this better was this yeah so what's the long-term plan for heroes then oh I'm not enough to wrap things up in a minute. Okay. If that's... I've got three questions. You know, is that okay? Uh, long-term plan for weirdos. Yeah. Uh, long-term plan for weirdos, there isn't one. <laughs> there there g- genuinely isn't one. It's it's just a vehicle for us to do what we find interesting and what is what is different and new. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we've talked a little bit about how you do a lot of your nights for free and like in Edinburgh you do pay as you want, but like essentially a lot of people I imagine come for free. They don't reserve yeah. tickets and stuff. Yeah. So... And I know you've got quite a lot of opinions on free nights versus paid nights, for example, especially in the capital. And I wondered if you'd thought, because I mean, obviously that debate is ongoing a lot. Yeah. And it sort of feels a little bit like it's kind of, it's kind of going through a bit of a, not a, not a like you're resurrected a bit recently, simply because some nights have sort of gone free and some nights have sort of said that was a mistake. And I sort of wonder whether your thoughts have changed on that or whether you still believe that because I mean, obviously, you charge. No, for... but it's 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 diff- I have to just stress: free is something that I have no objections to, and works for us because we have day jobs, and our aim is to improve our comedy and to grow our comedy and to grow our audience. If you're um, trying to put money on the table and you're doing this as a job, then you're going to say free is difficult, free is a pain in the ass. But we've got different objectives there, so you know we're not going to agree. But the, the problem is, is that free as an argument, it's, it's difficult to argue against that in London when you're... My one point is, and I won't say much more than this on the matter, is 
in London, you're not competing with other comedy nights. You're competing with people who are also putting on free cinema nights. You know, you go through your Facebook events, you'll be invited to a free screening of this. You're in, in competing with Netflix. You're competing with a house party that someone's invited you to. You're inviting, competing with an art gallery. You know, it's not just, shall I go see this comedy or this comedy? This one's free. You're actually competing against what what someone's seen and what someone's recommended word of mouth is the biggest thing that sells anything in london and actually the first thing someone says is come see this i it was good rather than come see this it was free mm. you know there's a certain percentage of people that will only go and see free stuff who might start their search at free but that means they they might see a free comedy night they might go see a film free see a free mm. film screening there's always going to be something free to do in london you're not necessarily competing with that so i think to those people who are quick to you know, moan at free comedy nights. Yeah, remember that there's more to it than that. Mm. And you, you are very happy with your day job, or you, or you enjoy your day job. You're not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know a lot of the other weirdos have day jobs, and uh, yes, have all, and often, uh, often Most, sort of, yeah. yeah. And a lot of them often talk highly of like the fact they like the fact that they don't have to worry about not don't have to worry about comedy, but they don't worry about it in the same way that I think some other performers go. Oh, I need to be full time all the time because yeah. they have that day job cushion, as it were. And I just wondered if you had any advice or anything that you would want to say to someone who maybe is just about starting comedy who is worried about how long it's going to take them to leave their day job and whether whether that's even a bad thing for them to have a day job and do comedy i mean i know i know some teachers yeah. of mine for example teacher friends of mine who do comedy in the summer because they can go to the festivals and stuff but they still have their job and they have plenty of time to do both yeah i think it might be people confusing two different issues you know one question is do i enjoy my day job do i want to be doing this day job <laughs> And the other one is, you know, when do I want to make it in comedy and how do I want to make it in comedy? Mm. And those two things don't have to go hand in hand. Maybe find a day job you enjoy more or that gives you the freedom more to do comedy, work in a cafe or something like that that's going to close at five, six. Mm. Or, you know, you don't have to get up too early or, or work from home or something like that so you can balance that with writing. But the reality is that, you know, I write up several shows a year and I get that writing done on the weekends and in evenings. Um, and I write m more than some people who have full-time jobs as comedy. And a lot of the time it just comes down to how much time you want to put to it. And I think actually if you're working nine to five, you will get your brain into a gear that you're, you're more likely to be productive. And you're more likely mm -hmm. to find it easier to write. And you're used to getting up early. Whereas, you know, if you're a comic and you don't know what to do with all that time during the day, maybe it's difficult. But yeah. So yeah. also coffee helps. Yeah. So if you had maybe one bit of advice for a performer who's alternative, who's trying to build a little bit of their own sort of following and maybe the best bit of advice you've ever been given uh, for trying to. Well, whatever, whatever part of your career, because it's kind of trickier for me to ask that question for you because you're so different to most of the guests i have on yeah um yeah. i think a bit of advice to other performers that want to build an audience just just stick at what you're doing you know and 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 just make it better you know don't ever stop to think is this what the audience want or you're never going to get the next frank sidebottom or dr brown if you're going to do that you know you have to yeah. just think this is this is my idea is it is it is it unique to me is it interesting to me is it do i find would i find it funny yeah and that's all that's ever guided you know what i do my own personal comedy tastes stuff that i grew up watching um yeah watch a, a, a lot of comedy 
but also influences outside of comedy i think is interesting like i i go and watch a lot of music i try and see a lot of art um yeah a lot of film and and you know that that's that's going to make things interesting and a lot of people in our group have very different influences in that respect you know some people find history interesting bless them you know um and i can't remember your second question best bit of advice you've ever been given oh best bit of advice you've ever been given yeah i think dr brown says similar things about you know um this fear that if you just because you're doing alternative comedy there's no audience for it actually that that's not true um there's you know you look at victory's big night out it got a massive student following when it first started and it was never trying to be wacky it was just called big victory's big night out mm. you know and they were never they never afraid to be like oh are people going to get this do we need to water it down they just did their thing mm. and those that liked it liked it and they grew their following from there mm. you just don't have to compromise it no no one ever does that in music you know no one ever goes oh you know i tell you what we're we're a hardcore punk band but we're we're playing this festival with some folk bands so i tell you what we'll we'll turn it down a few notches you know so why why do we feel the need in comedy to do the same kind of like oh, i'm going to do this gig it's a corporate gig i'm going to have to be different no just go out and do what tr- trust your instinct that you're going to do the funniest and the best thing yeah, yeah. and then they booked you so they must know that you're going to well you you'd, you'd hope so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Simon. That was Adam. I loved talking to him. He's he's so articulate and so aware of everything that's happening around alternative comedy and sketch groups and just he just has such a refreshing way of looking at the way he approaches the industry. He sort of hasn't had to compromise too much and he sort of gets to do pretty much everything he wants to do. And part of the reason for that is his day job. Like he has money probably not loads of money but he has money coming in on a consistent basis which means that his writing projects which are his passion are that they don't feel like a job they are just what he does because he wants to do them and it's it was such a beautiful thing to hear and to just see he was a very lovely guy to hang out with if you would like to know more about the weirdos there is a link in the description and on the show notes on the website please do check them out they're lovely and as he said in the podcast they only do the show for like a run of maybe one or two nights so if you'd like to see the kind of mayhem that they get up to do give them a nudge also i'm going to link to bob slayer's episode in the show notes as well as uh his blunderbuss and all sorts of other places that you can check out other people that were mentioned in it as i said before I have a show that's happening on the 26th of January 2016. If you'd like to support me, it's at the Comedy Cafe Theatre in London in Shoreditch. The doors are at 7pm. It is completely free. You can reserve a ticket. You need to reserve a ticket to come in. Please reserve a ticket if you can come. The venue needs to know how many people are coming and prepare the number of staff they need for that. It's not... It, but do do not reserve if you can't actually come because it doesn't help out because it means they might have extra staff on board which costs them money which makes me look bad because it means that unlike with a paid ticketing event I'm not going to patronise you, you all know what I'm saying if it was a paid ticketed event people would be more likely to come down because they'd paid £10 for a ticket so please treat it in the same way that you would treat a paid show if you can come, reserve a ticket if you can't, don't simple as as I said before if you would like to become a patron, you can at uh, patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. I'm also going to be setting up uh, PayPal regular donations 
at some point later on in the month because a few people have said they don't want to sign up to Patreon, which is absolutely fine and I don't have a problem with that. If you like to do a one-off donation, you can do it on PayPal and that would be amazing. If you can't do any of that or you can't afford that right now, I realise that January is a tight month for everyone. Believe me, I've got the same financial issues as you do. If you can't afford to sign up for Patreon or a PayPal donation right now, please just leave me a review. Just an honest review of what you feel this podcast is worth in star rating, but also a little bit of copy in it would be great as well. I read all of them and future guests are reading a lot of them as well. And it would really help out if I had some new ones in 2016. So yeah, let's kickstart the year really well, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you so much for donating. And hopefully see some of you on the 26th. If you come down, do come say hi. Bye. 